The Stoic Jew podcast content for the month of May has been made possible by Dan Horowitz, who has graciously taken up my experimental request for an accountability sponsorship in hopes that this will result in more Stoic Jew content. Hello, I am Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading is the uh, is once again for the third day in a row, um, an excerpt from Seneca's letter number two, uh, which we've spent the last two days analyzing. Uh, day one was through the lens of Marcus Aurelius. Day two is through the lens of Rabbi Moskowitz. And today it will be through the lens of uh, uh, Ravikantian interpretation of the Rambam's interpretation of a, of a Mishnah. <laughs> okay, so let's reread the Seneca passage one more time. Uh, he says in letter number two, judging by what you write me and by what I hear, I am forming a good opinion regarding your future. You do not run hither and thither and distract yourself by changing your abode. For such restlessness is, a, is the sign of a disordered spirit. The primary indication to my thinking of a well-ordered mind is a man's ability to remain in one place and linger in his own company. So um, I, let's see, when did I come across this? So I heard about this in an interview uh, by Tim Ferriss, um, who I, whose interviews I've been listening to a lot lately, um, interview of someone named Naval Ravikant, who's an entrepreneur who I had not heard of before. And they talk about a lot of things in this interview. I'll link it in the show notes. Um, but one of the things they discuss is Naval Ravikant's, um, unique, <laughs> I don't want to call it austere, but unique approach to meditation and mindfulness. Um, and I believe the first time he made a public statement about this was on a Twitter thread. So I'm going to read Naval Ravikant's Twitter thread from May 15th, 2020, where he describes what he views as meditation and mindfulness. Now, if you have not had experience in meditation and mindfulness, you'll probably have the same reaction, initial reaction that I did, which is that I grew up thinking that that meditation and mindfulness is very like fluffy, duffy, uh, you know, spiritual, uh, you know, hippy dippy whatever other adjectives you want to use uh type of practice um but uh i uh in 2000 from 2018 to 2019 i um i was advised to do it to engage in mindfulness in order to um uh i guess just to get rid of stress and i was using the for an entire year i used the the app headspace and did 10 minutes of mindfulness a day pretty religiously like uh for the entire year and then during the pandemic somehow or after that i fell out of it and then during the pandemic i tried to pick it up again and i wanted to get back into it and uh and this kind of jump started me so uh, this is what Naval Ravikant says about um, about his method of mindfulness and uh, brace yourself because it's radical. So Twitter thread is entitled Meditation, the Art of Doing Nothing. Meditation is your birthright. It's your natural state. It requires no one, needs no thing, and has no technique. If something requires a guru, a mantra, or a, t- a teaching, it isn't universal and it won't free you. We say that we want peace of mind, but what we really want is peace from mind. No technique of the mind will free you from the mind. All chases, whether flow, drugs, beauty, thrills, orgasm, or devotion, are attempts to escape from the mind. Meditation is the direct path. In an age of mental gluttony, meditation is fasting for the mind. Before paying a therapist to listen to you, listen to yourself. Before clearing your inbox, uh, before clearing your inbox, clear your mind. Just as the sky rains when the clouds are heavy and the body sleeps when the limbs are tired, meditation arrives when the mind is calm. Prepare for meditation by sitting quiet. Now, here's his method. Prepare for meditation by sitting quietly in the morning with eyes closed and back upright in any comfortable position that will minimize movement. 60 minutes are easier than 30 as it takes time for the mind to settle down. 60 consecutive days are needed just as it takes time for the body to go from unfit to fit. 
Realize that at this moment you are the only person in the world and there is no one to instruct you, praise you, or judge you. Make no effort for or against anything. Whatever happens, happens. Surrender to it uh, to yourself in the moment. Resist nothing and reject nothing, including the urge to resist and reject. Meditation is not going through thoughts, but rather letting thoughts go through you. The thought, I am meditating, is also a thought. Meditation isn't holy or spiritual or magical. It's literally nothing. No focus, no mantra, no dharma, no chakras, no buddhas, no gurus, no gratitude, no scripture, no temple, no music, no gadgets, no apps are required. Some may be helpful, but eventually all will have to be left behind. Start simply because that's where this all ends. There are many meditation methods, but no effort, but quote, unquote, no effort is the universal method. Every creature at all times can choose to do nothing. There's no need to get up to record a thought. If the idea was good, it'll come back. If it doesn't come back, it wasn't that good. Meditation is a single-player game. There's no point in comparing to other meditators or to, or to even your own previous meditations. If meditation was easy, you'd do nothing else. The point of meditation is not to become a meditator. In reality, there's no such thing. If it doesn't bring lasting and effortless change, drop it before it becomes another struggle and another chase. There's nothing to say and nothing on offer. No one is taking you anywhere, selling you anything, or making you promises. Reading or talking about meditation will do nothing for you. You cannot fail at meditation. Ignore all advice on meditation, including this thread. Uh, meditation is good for nothing. That's why you do it. The closer you get to the truth, the more silent you become inside. The ability to be content and at peace by yourself is freedom. Okay, that's the end of the Twitter thread. So in an essence, what is his method? Is 60 minutes, sit down and do nothing. And just let whatever happens happen. Uh, no breathing techniques, no vision, uh, you know, imagination-based techniques, no mantras, nothing. Okay, just do nothing. So around at around the same time, now you might be wondering, what does this have to do with Judaism or does this have anything to do with Judaism? So around the same time that I heard that interview, I was learning through the Gemaras and the Halachos about Kavana, uh, about the proper intentions you, you should have during tefillah, during, uh, during davening, during prayer. Um, and so um, I was working on the Gemara, which I'm going to actually read the Rambam because he is a little bit more uh, elaborate here. So the Rambam says... Uh, what is the practical procedure for attaining kavana, for attaining this proper state of mind for uh, before you daven, before you, you do tefillah, uh, before you pray? He says, it's that a person should empty his mind of all thoughts and see himself as if he is standing before the shekhinah, before the divine presence. Therefore, he needs to sit for a little while before tefillah in order to direct his mind, and afterwards he should daven with pleasantness and supplication. And he should not make his tefillah like one who is carrying a burden, who casts it off and then goes on his way. Therefore, he must sit a little while, uh, a little while after tefillah, and only then may he depart. Now, here's the, the key phrase. The early pious sages would pause for an hour before tefillah and an hour after tefillah, and they would extend tefillah for an hour. So I was learning this with Michael Rusa in the, in the Mishnah, which, uh, which, you know, which mentions this practice. And we were wondering, what, is it, what did it mean, like, what were they doing for that hour uh, before tefillah and the hour after tefillah? Like, I had always assumed that they were, it was some form of learning or some form of, like, mentally preparing themselves to daven, of, like, going through these ideas. But when I heard this, you know, this uh, interview from Naval Ravikant, uh, uh, and, and about this technique, and he mentioned just sitting and doing nothing. I was like, what if when, when the Ramam uses the word shohin, or the Mishnah uses the word shohin, that they just wait? What if it meant that they did nothing? Now, that sounded radical, because again, it didn't sound like a Jewish idea. So then I read the Ramam in his Parish of Mishnayos, in his commentary on Brachos, on that Mishnah, uh, and he says um, in Brachos uh, 8.1, I think it's 8.1 actually, is it 5.1? I might have misquoted this. He says, um, hold on, 
Uh, the meaning of shohin, of wait, is that they would wait. <laughs> in other words, Mamtinin, he says, in other words, they would wait for tefillah for an hour, and in it, meaning in the hour, their conversation and their thoughts would cease, and then they would begin to daven. So it really does sound like, I mean, he, he just says they would wait and cease their conversation and their thoughts. He doesn't say that they would focus on things or meditate on things or or go over ideas or or you know focus on God even. I mean, in tefillah, you're emptying your thoughts and seeing yourself as though you're standing before the Shekhinah, before the divine presence. But that's not what you're doing before tefillah. So um, so it sounds like he's saying that you you literally just wait an hour before tefillah. Then you or sorry that what they would do is they would wait an hour before tefillah and then they would daven. And then for an hour, and then they would wait for an hour after tefillah. And the question also is, what are you doing then? You know, I always thought that it was somehow, you know, consciously applying your davening experience to your tefillah, um, and uh, you're sorry, to your to your life. In other words, presumably in davening, you were focusing on certain things about Hashem and about your own needs and about how you get your needs from Hashem and about your 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 plan going forward, and then you these sages would wait for an hour after tefillah and like think about how to incorporate these ideas back into their lives. But if the Ramam's definition of shohin is to wait and cease your your conversation and your thoughts, sounds like you are thinking of nothing. So it really does sound like what Naval Ravikant said, uh, very similar to it, is just not thinking, you know, and again, as bizarre as this sounds, it doesn't sound like a Jewish idea. So what I wanted to do was give this a try. Now, I don't have 60 consecutive days to do this, and during my teaching schedule, uh, I think it would be impossible for me to, to devote an hour to doing this. I mean, maybe I'm just telling myself that. But I had a vacation, and my vacation involved going to a cabin or a yurt in the forest for five days and four nights, and I wanted to try this experiment of sitting for an hour a day doing nothing um, for for five consecutive days. Uh, and I also wanted to try doing it for an hour before tefillah and, and lining it up and see, seeing uh, what effect it would have. And I realized we're close to the end of 10 minutes here, so I guess that will have to wait until tomorrow. So I guess you get a fourth bonus episode on this um, and uh, where I will talk about my experience and, uh, and what the results were. Okay, uh, that is it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today and would like to support my production of even more Torah content, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Link is in the description. Uh, this is a great time to become a patron. Even $3 a month can go a long way. Thank you to my listeners for listening, and thank you to my patrons for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everybody.